Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to our present state versus history on speaker. Here we are focused on the current events of our culture through the principles of our history trying to make sense of the culture and the mindset of today. I am your host, Ray Mayfield. Okay, folks, here we are back on the pod. We're going to shift gears a little bit. Um, still going to be dealing with uh, the things of God, of course, and and uh, a little bit about uh, divine rights, I guess you might say, and how they come about and the right uh, that God has given man. We have the right to choose, and that right is basically the basic right that all of the things we've been talking about in our Constitution um, are fundamentally driven from, is the man has the right to choose. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the influences upon uh, man that bring him to those choices. So I was reading here the other day and uh, come across this scripture that, Many people, um, I guess I could say, twist up. We're going to read a few scriptures here out of Romans chapter 7. And, you know, we have the Roman, they call the Roman road of salvation. Actually really starts in about the 5th chapter and 6th chapter really gets into dealing with the salvation. And then the 7th chapter of Romans, Paul's dealing with this internal struggle that goes on inside of uh, the human animal mankind and in the eighth chapter he begins to deal with uh, what it means to live victorious and over that struggle by the power of the spirit of god and most ministers they want to preach out of romans chapter 8 and chapter 9 which is gets us into sonship and and um, our relationship with the things of god after we've been regenerated or converted but uh, you cannot understand chapter 8 and 9 until you have a full grasp of chapter 7, which seems to elude a lot of people And when we're dealing with the rights and choosing. So this is a place I want to read here, just a few scriptures. It says uh, in the 14th verse of the 7th chapter, he says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do... I allow not, for that I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, 
but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that when I should do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I thank God that Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And this scripture has been taken out of contents and twisted around and there's all kinds of different messages that's been preached on. Well, you see, old Paul, he didn't even have the, you know, the victory. But Paul's talking about the individual's life struggles before regeneration talking about where we are as men and women on this earth before we meet god the father we walk in the place of understanding we walk in the place of internal struggle i guess you could say with the inner man between our soul and our spirit and that's kind of what we're going to get into in depth i'm going to get i don't know how long it's going to take to get through all this i'm i'm sure uh we're not going to do this in in one recording but uh i'm going to deal with the difference between the soul and the spirit and the body of course you know we're triune beings we have a soul we live in a body and we have a spirit our spirit and our soul are interconnected to the point to where it gets very confusing when you start trying to separate the two but the will of man resides there see and we live in that body and in that carnality if you will that natural man and we have a natural tendency to which way we want to gravitate and we're going to get into a lot of word study and a lot of definitions but before we get into that i just kind of want to talk a little bit about that uh what the Word of God says we should be doing if we are truly born again, we're truly walking with God, how can we know that we're truly saved and we're walking with God? So Paul, he's talking about this inner struggle that's going on and where we have this fighting in between us and he wants to get into the salvation. We have these ministers that are talking about Paul not having the victory over the places where he's walking, but we know that in the he gets to talking about the Romans chapter 8, he's talking about now there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit, because the law of the spirit is life, and the Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So when we're walking in that carnality, what's he talking about? Well, the law of sin and death is our natural man, our natural state, and our natural facilities of where we're walking. So when we look at the natural man and we look at his soul, we, you know, the, when we go into Genesis, the very first uh, chapters of Genesis where uh, creation has taken place in the third chapter, we talk about uh, the soul. It says that the Lord breathed into the soul of man. He breathed life into him. He brought um, an existence into him. And, and, and that word there that it says where he says the breath of 
is, is, is a word that means puff or wind. It's like an angry, um, vital exhale of breath or a divine inspiration. And what that word means in that original contents is it's dealing with the intellect or the animalistic aspects of life. So when he says he breathed into man, he just breathed the natural life into that carcass that he had brought together from the um, clays or the dust of the earth. And so when he breathed that inspiration into him, he put that life or he put that soul into existence. The Bible says that he became a living soul. And if we walk through the whole aspects of the first part of um, Genesis, we, we don't find any mention of man's spirit there. We don't find any mention of his uh, uh, spiritual activity or spiritual awareness. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean that his spirit wasn't there because when that soul was breathed into life, then the spirit man, if you will, he became a living soul. And, and life, the word there for life was uh, che, which means to be uh, alive. It means a raw fresh, strong existence. So life became fresh. It became um, present and, and the soul of man became alive. And in those aspects of the soul there with those words, what it's dealing with is it's dealing with our appetites. It's dealing with our beastly um, bodily breath and our, our natural tendencies of, of, of who we are. And that's where you know the the lust of man, the minds, the the uh, the um, desires, and the contention. That's where it resides within our soul, and that was all birthed into that natural tendency at the, at the time of creation. That soul became a living creature in the man. But the difference between then and now is in that natural state, because man had not fallen, he was naturally gravitating towards the things of God. And he moved forward with his, with his natural um, uh, orientation or desires was towards good or God, because God is good. So the Word of God tells us that uh, all good comes from God and that God is good. And so we move in that aspect in our natural tendency. He became a living soul and his natural desire was towards God. So he didn't have to, you know, when your children are born and they run, uh, you know, start to grow up and, and run around and, and they get caught doing something wrong. Uh, what's their natural tendency? Is self, uh, they get caught and they, you draw them in, what do, they, what do they do? They want to lie to you. They want to self-preserve. They want to they gravitate towards evil. If they're in a grocery store and they got all them little gadgets down close for the little kids what's their natural tendency they want to grab that and put it in their pocket well that hasn't always been the natural state you see the natural state was to do good but after the fall then we were drawn away from god we were drawn towards evil because our natural state is to draw out but you see the will or the or the desire or ability to choose was given at creation when god says let us create man in his own image. And the word image there is talking about shade or phenomenon. It's talking about an illusion. It's talking about a resemblance. It's talking about a, uh, um, I, like an idol or an image. You know, if it's figuratively, you'd be talking about 
um, a vain showing or, or a, uh, a uh, um, resemblance that is so, uh, should we say, in likeness that you think it's an illusion type thing. That was, that's the word image that's used there. And then it says in our likeness, which our likeness is talking about our resemblance or our shape or model or, or consecrate, you know, or consecrate, we're consecrated or like, you know, in, 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 in that outward part. So when he created us or fashioned us in his image and likeness, then our natural desire was to be like God. We wanted to, you know, when you, you want to be like your dad, you want to, you want to be like your parents, you know, it's a natural tendency even now, but we're running in the wrong direction. And so when that first creation come forth and we were walking in that, he gave us also because we are in his likeness and in his image, then we have the ability to choose. See, that was a right that was given to us. And so you say, well, you know, if I would have been born in the Garden of Eden, I would have never failed. I would have never had, uh, you know, we would have walked in the place of perfection. Well, you have to be careful about that because Adam uh, lived in a perfect environment. He walked in the presence of God every day, but he had the right to choose. But yet he was still enticed because that soul, his mental disposition, his appetite or his desire, because that's what resides in our soul, his, his lust for pleasures, you see, these are the things that are in our soul. These are the things that were driving his will, you see. And so when we go back, in fact, let's just go back to Genesis for a minute and read um, in that first account there where the transgression took place. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, it says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her which did eat. See that key word everybody wants to skip over. To be desired, you see. So the tree of... of uh, Knowledge was desired to make one wise, desirous, see, that desire in our soul. So when she saw that it looked good and it felt good and that it tasted good and then that awareness was made. If you look at that, it says their eyes were open and their understanding, it's an awareness. They were made aware of the surroundings of which they had not been aware of previously. So because they became aware of that and because they, they uh, understood or they saw these things, then all of a sudden they realized the other things around them and they became shameful because, you know, you read on the story and they tried to hide themselves and so on and so forth. It came forth because of that awareness. But what drove that to be was that desire. That desire is in the soul of man, you see. He desired, and then that drawing of that fruit, that fruit was desirous. So it opened up. It made that desire for the things that were um, outside of the limitations that God had placed. See, God said, don't do that. But the desire, craving, the addiction, the whatever, you see, this is how these things have got so out of hand. The whole purpose of going through this is to bring forth an understanding so that we can understand where we are in our culture today. 
why we have come to a place where we are in the mess that we have because of this this uncontrollable desire that comes from the souls of men to have their own way and do their own thing and to walk contrary to the things of God. The reason why it's so difficult to bring the, these things into clarity because if we know what the scripture, the reason I'm on this is because the Bible says that he sent Jesus Christ to save the souls of men. It doesn't say he came to save your spirit. Doesn't say he came to save your body. Doesn't say he came to save your emotional faculties. He came to save your soul. The soul is the innermost part of who you are. It is the determining factor of the essence of who you really are. Now, your spirit plays a big part in that. And your spirit is the key to connect to the spirit of God so that you can communicate directly to the throne of God through the spirit of God. But we'll get into that in a little bit later. Right now, we're just dealing with what is the makeup of man and how you, you are made up as a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. See, because your soul is where all these things we've just been talking about are. But in your spirit, man... You have your mental disposition, which is also in your soul. See, this is why it's so hard to, to separate these two, because your mental disposition is, is, is infected or affected by both your soul and your spirit. See, you depend your mental disposition. What is that? It's, well, your attitude, your frame of mind, you know, whether you're having a bad day, a good day, whether you're uh, walking, you know, contrary to what you know you should be doing. And these things is affected by both your spirit and your soul. And they play about an equal role in each one of those things. And the only thing that is the determiner between um, that mental disposition and how it manifests is your will, your choice, your right to choose. So those two things are walking almost equally within the soul and your spirit. So you also, in your spirit, man, you have your rationale. That's where your wisdom is. That's where your understanding is. That's where your, um, your feelings are. But your feelings are also in touch with your soul, too, see? So your feelings, are they're, they're fickle. That's why we can't trust them, because they can be easily swayed between your desire and your appetite and your wisdom and your understanding. You see, you can know that you shouldn't do something, but yet you got this feeling inside of you where you, you know, oh, I want that so bad. Yeah, no better. No, can't do that. Yeah, I want to. There you go. There's that battle that Paul's talking about in Romans chapter 7 right there. It's a battle between your spirit and your soul. It's going on internally, and the deciding factor as to which way you go with that is your will, what you decide. You choose this day whom you will serve. And so when we're in our natural state before the fall of man, that internal struggle was not as prevalent as it is now because our soul and our spirit were in compliance with the things of God and we naturally wanted to gravitate towards God and so we wanted to do good. There wasn't a drawing towards that evil to say there might have been a small incantation there, but for the most part, we wanted to do good. We wanted to please the Father. We wanted to walk in the garden. We wanted to have the blessings of God. And there wasn't that, that drawing away from the things of God. You see, we were being drawn towards the things of God. But the subtle or sly, slick willy devil come along with the serpent, the most slickest beast of the garden, and he bewitched the, the Eve and 
And so now our natural tendency is to gravitate towards those things that are contrary to God. So now we have a state of man, which the Bible says there's a way that man thinks is right, and the end leads to destruction. Why is that? Because we're walking down evil. We're walking down the contrary things of God. But you see, the authority of man to choose has never changed. Man had the right to choose before he fell, and he has the right to choose now that he has fallen. What has changed is God the Father had access to man in the Garden of Eden to walk with him in the cool of the morning, and that went away. Because God cannot sanction evil. God cannot sanction a lie. God cannot be in the presence of wickedness. God cannot stand in the presence of unrighteousness. Unrighteousness will be destroyed. And, and in anything that is a lie, anything that is of untruth, anything that is of wickedness will be destroyed by the light of the word of God in his presence. Because God is good. God is life. God is light. And so light dispels the darkness. You see, darkness is there, but as soon as light comes in, darkness has no choice but to dispel. You say, well, God created evil. Well, the Bible says he created evil, but not like you're thinking, because when God said, let there be light, then darkness was, you see. It's not a, it's not a creation of the darkness. It is just an absolute fact that the darkness is because of light. You can't have light without the darkness because darkness and light are contrast one another and one creates the other. So, see, you have evil because there is good. It's not because he created evil. It's because God said, let it be good, and it was good, and he saw that it was good, and he blessed it it was good, and therefore evil exists. Evil is there as a, as a, as a uh, what do you want to call it, a contradiction to that, that which is good. So that conflict is there. But man's will was conformed to the will of God, and he chose rightly up until the fall of the garden and became um, an outcast to the things of God. So if you will, um, God was on the outside looking in because and he removed the tree of life because he didn't want man to live in the state of fallen man for all eternity. Because up until this point, Every aspect of what we find in the Old Testament dealing with the soul, all of the words, the breath of life, dealing with life. We have Che. We have, uh, um, oh, I don't know how you pronounce it. It's N-E-S-H-A-M-A-H, which is a puff of wind or a breath, which is the vital breath that brought the life of God. And we have N-E-P-H-E-S-H, which is um, the animal vitality of the soul being alive. We have uh, N-E-D-I-Y-H-A-H, -H, which is dealing with in Job, which is a wind or a um, ability or a reputation, which is dealing with the soul again. And all of these words in this Old Testament that we find dealing with the soul or dealing with the natural man, they're dealing with the carnality aspects of man. They're dealing with the... Um, mortality side of man if you will there is no place where um, it's dealing with man being a immortal soul or a man being um, eternally um, driving it doesn't mean that he's not going to live because of when we're born in this life we're live the man's going to live on but the the aspect that's being dealt with is the carnal side of man which is limited in his capacity so man began to uh, 
die. Death entered in, just like uh, God said that it would. But when we get into Acts and we start dealing with um, the different words of, of breath or the same, same basic abstracts or, or dealings of, uh, of um, life coming forth, we deal with a whole new group of words, which is dealing with the internal aspects or the eternal aspects of the soul and the immor immortality of the soul. Because it's through the Holy Spirit that that immortality or the ability to connect to the immortal soul is made for us. See, this is the difference. Our mortal soul needs to be in contact with the immortal soul. And we need to put on immortality. That's what Paul's talking about, where he's talking about the, the corruption and, the, and, and mortal and immortal. Because for us to put on the immortal soul, we must be connected to back to the Spirit of God, the living God, Yahweh. And, and when that Spirit of God comes and becomes part of our spirit and connects with our spirit, then we become one with the immortal. The mortal and the immortal spirits become one, if you will, and we become one again with the Spirit of God because the only way that that can take place is through Jesus the Christ. We walk in the things of Christ. We walk in the, in the Word of God because if you read in the Bible, you'll find that Jesus is the incarnate Word of God. And the incarnate Word of God walked as flesh upon this earth so that we can move into the things of God because the only way that we receive anything from God is through Jesus Christ by the Spirit or through the Word of God by the Spirit. See, both of those statements are synonymous because anything that we receive from God the Father comes through His Word, who is Jesus Christ, and that Word comes by the power of the Spirit, and that's how the connection is made into our life. So when our spirit becomes aware of the Spirit of God within us, then we become regenerated. We become a saved soul, if you will, because our soul begins to hear from the Spirit of God through our spirit as they connect as one. And it doesn't mean that immediately everything's transformed like, you know, foo-foo dust and all of a sudden you're just one with God because it doesn't work that way. You live your life, the longer you live your life, living in this world and your spirit man is being trained by your carnality because your carnality is your primary focus behind what it is you're doing then the longer you walk like that the harder it is to retrain your spirit to hear the things of god because if we walk in the things of god then we know we are born again that's what the bible tells us if you go and read first john one two and three well anywhere in First John, Second John, or Third John, you read any of those books, you're going to find that if you're not walking in the things of God, if you're not walking in the truth of God by the Spirit of God, then you're not saved. It's just that simple. We've got a whole society running around saying, oh, I got Jesus in my heart, but I'm living like the devil, but I'm going to get into heaven because it's all good. Well, I beg to differ with you. The Bible says something different about that. If you're not living a righteous life and living your life trying to live according to the word of God, which is what Paul's talking about in Romans 7, that struggle that's going on internally with us, that as long as we're trying to do it in our own strength, we're just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because we just can't seem to get the victory over it. 
because in our own self, we don't have the capacity to get the victory over it. We're living in a natural state that is desirous and has the appetite to live contrary to God because of the fallen state of man. It's nothing you've done. It's nothing you've earned. It's nothing no fault of who you are. It's just the way it is. You're born in a fallen state. You're born condemned. Jesus said in, in uh, John chapter 3, where they everybody wants to quote John 3.16. You read the whole chapter. He says, I did not come into the world to condemn the world. Why? Because the world was already condemned. He doesn't have to come to condemn something that's already been condemned. He came to give us life and give us life more abundantly. Why? Because we need to be aware that we're walking in a state of condemnation. We're walking in a state of conviction. We're walking in a state that is bound for hell and there's no way out except through Jesus Christ or the Word of God and by the power of the Spirit. So when we read the Word of God, the Spirit of God connects with our spirit and reveals within ourselves that you must change, you must do this different, you must put this off, you must put this on, whatever it is, and then we have to do what Jesus' mother said. Whatever he says, do, do it. And if we're doing that, according to John, then guess what? We're born again. And according to Romans chapter 8, it says, Now, therefore, there is no condemnation for them that love God and walk according to his purpose, because we walk in the power and we walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost. We walk in the presence of Almighty God. We walk in that assurance, knowing that we are choosing rightly. And it is our will to walk after the Spirit of God, not after the soul. What is it Paul says in, in Romans 8? He says, if you're walking after the Spirit, you cannot fulfill the lust of the flesh. So we will not walk in the carnal man. We'll walk in the spirit man, and we'll be victorious every time. But if we're running around lying to ourselves, saying we're running around here doing all these heinous, wicked things, and God's just going to somehow usher us into heaven because, after all, you know, he's obligated— uh, you're going to get a fool's awakening one of these days because according to the Word of God, you are not born again. The only way to be born again is accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and that alone, one way, one way to the throne of grace, and that's through the Word of God, through Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God. And the only way you're going to be introduced to that throne of grace is by the Spirit of the living God whether it be now or whether it be after you reach into eternity. And I see right now that I am way out of time, so I'm going to have to wrap this up, and we're going to kind of try to slow down the next couple of episodes and go through some of these definitions of words, through some of this definition of breath and breathing, and get into some of the why we are in the state that we're in. So until then... Have a wonderful day, and we'll see you on the pod.